Hi, folks. Uh, welcome to uh, Nursing 631 Pathophysiology. This is going to be the last video um, for um, reproductive system. Okay, we're going to talk about this um, last video. So hopefully, um, shouldn't be too too long. Most of these you guys already know. Um, something that you learned long long time ago. So when you go through this this chapter, just keep in mind a couple of things. One is that. Um, you need to know the name of the disease. That's one. So the name, what is the name? Two, what is the bugs? Uh, what's the pathogens um, that actually cause the disease? So the name of the bugs, so the name of the bacteria, the name of the virus, or the name of the fungus. So whichever that, you need to remember it along with this disease. And a third one would be the, the presentation. Uh, you should be able to, to describe the disease for the most part. Um, on top of this, you would need to know the treatment, but we won't talk about treatment in this class. You will have that in your pharmacology class. For the most part, again, those are the three things that I will emphasize today, things that you need to know. Um, just the name, the, the disease, uh, what bugs causing it, and also what are the symptoms that associate with those uh, referred disease. Okay, without further ado, let's get to it. Okay, first kind of brain teaser for you guys. Uh, can you get pregnant while you are pregnant? Pause this video and think about it for a second. The answer is, is yes, you can. Okay. Um, the longest one, actually, this is not the longest one. This is uh, 84 days apart. 84 days apart. You have Peggy Lynn of Huntington, Pennsylvania, um, gave birth to her daughter, Hannah, and then her son, Eric, 84 days apart. So technically, when you're pregnant, uh, you sometime, sometime, uh, one in about 500 chance, uh, or more, uh, I think, um, sometimes you could actually ovulate again while you're pregnant. So in this case, you, um, the girl ovulate again uh, and then have sex with the husband and you have two different babies um, born, actually two different twins uh, born 84 days apart. So during the first contraction, um, you know, you let the first twin out and then you would clamp it. You would actually close up the shop, clamp the, uh, stitch up the cervix and wait until when the other, you know, get the other one cooking for a while, cooking some more and then um, let them out later on. Okay, so that's how usually that goes. So you would deliver the first baby and then also the placenta as well, and then you would close up the shop until the next one. This uh, record recently um, actually broke, uh, someone broke this record recently, I believe. Um, now it's 87 days apart, 87 days apart. So uh, Amy and Katie, healthy uh, babies, both of them uh, girls. This is in Ireland. Uh, these, are, these are the family right here. So these are the two twins. Uh, 87 days apart twin of this family. Um, so you have the older sister, the uh, oldest um, brother, and then you have these two adorable girls, um, 87 days apart. So you keep that, just think about this for a second. 87 days apart, that's 90 days, close to 90 days, three days shy of 90 days. That's, that's three months apart, okay? Three months apart. You have one uh, pregnancy, three months into it, which is you starting your second trimester, and then you're pregnant again. Um, Quite, quite amazing. So, so this is rare, but it can happen. Okay, uh, the same family, Amy and Kate. Uh, this is not the dad and the mom, but this is the older sister and the older brother, uh, you know, taking care of the twins, uh, twin sisters. So, okay, let's talk about some of these stuff um, for developmental reproductive system. Um, you have puberty, as you all know, when that hits. Um, the main um, 
hormones. So these are the main hormones that actually has to do with puberty. Estradiol, which is the E2, D-I-O-L. So dial, that's two. So estradiol, you have three types of estrogen. Um, estrone, which is E1, O and E. Technically, it ends with O and E, so it actually tells you it is E1, uh, one. Um, E2 is estradiol. D-I-O-L, di is mean two. And then estrotriol, a three... Triols, T-R-I-O-L, so that's three. So E1, E2, E3, and I'll talk about that a little bit later on, okay? And you have these kind of increase, causing your um, for women to have breast development, maturation of, of vagina, uterus, ovaries, estrogen uh, increase, uh, testosterone also for guys, um, increased growth of testes. Um, let's see, you have other factors like GNRH, FSHNLH, that also helps stimulate the ovaries and testes as well throughout the, throughout the month, so, okay? So at puberty, men start to producing sperm, women start to uh, ovulating eggs, go through the ovulation process. Um, usually, female puberty is complete at the first ovulation menstrual period. Uh, your egg has already been halfway through, um, going through meiosis one, got kind of got frozen there when you actually um, become, when you're born, and then that process start again during the uh, puberty then you actually continue that meiosis one to two and then you ovulating the egg okay so you might want to look at these uh, we'll talk a little bit more about the estrogen uh, different three different type of estrogen estrone estradiol and then estradiol okay estradiol is the most potent and plentiful in your body um, one is converting from androgen in the ovaries, which is a good thing to look as well, and we're going to talk about why. Estrotriol, there's actually, usually we look at that toward the end, uh, later stage. Okay, uh, this is a slide that I add in, just kind of information that I think is very important for you to know, especially if you're going to work with OB or gyne or, you know, doing women's health. Uh, this is really good information to know. E1 or estrone, um, so you, usually you see this in a postmenopausal women. You want to test this out if uh, for women who are actually complaining of um, going through that hot fascist or menopausal stuff. Uh, you want to look at the E1 and E2, both of them. Uh, E2 is um, works more. And this is again, this is the most common one in, your, in, in the body. Um, usually, mainly when we talk about androgen and conversion, you may you know, have more one more one of these more than the other so you might want to check which one that you actually have high which one you have low so if you have low estrogen let's say let's just hypothetically say you have low e2 but then you have high e1 then you have to really question what's going on here why is everything converting to e1 why is everything is not converting to e2 so when you test this out you you know you when you run the test i would highly recommend running uh, at least e1 and e2 okay e3 um this is a good thing to look at when you actually, if you have a breast cancer, breast cancer patient, uh, breast cancer patient in a 1966 uh, JAMA uh, Journal of American Medical Association, uh, high levels of estriol in the body correlates with remission of breast cancer. So you want to keep that high uh, for to, for breast cancer patient who are recovering from breast cancer. You want to have this ET, E3 to be high. Okay, um, E3 is much, much weaker than E2, but it's actually a good indication of how your breast tissue is doing, how healthy is your breast, breast tissue. Um, so, so vegetarian, look at this, this is one, another interesting in, uh, information, is vegetarian, Asian women have a higher level of estradiol as E3. These women have much lower calculated risk of breast, of breast cancer than other, other women. So... If you know someone uh, who has breast cancer and you want to make sure that they are in remission, you might want to keep testing E3. Okay. Um, 
<clears throat> E3 also be beneficial in the vaginal and cervix and vulva as well uh, in terms of dryness and atrophy. If they're complaining, complaining of the dryness, um, you might want to look at this. They may have, they could, you know, their E3 could be low as well. Okay. This is something that I usually recommend for women. Um, a lot of women may have um, hormone issues. Um, people oftentimes, you know, treat the hormone issue as a part of normal life now today because, you know, uh, you think it's normal to have cramps, but it's not actually. For women, you don't need to go through cramps and um, painful or dryness and anything like that. Uh, that's not normal. Okay, and there's several ways that uh, you could actually help. Most OB and kind actually, all they do is actually prescribe birth control pills. Uh, birth control pills has a lot of progesterone, estrogen. Uh, those are synthetic version of estrogen and also progesterone. Those are not a natural version. Some of them like uh, Primarin. Uh, Primarin actually made out of horse urine. So I'm not sure you know Primarin. Um, it's in the name, so Primarin. Um, Uh, mm -hmm. Sorry for my handwriting. Uh, so primarin is actually made up from horse urine. The name is actually in the name. So pre is stand for pregnant. This is stand for mare, which is horse, and then urine. Uh, so it's coming from a pregnant horse urine. So we're collecting urine of the pregnant horse, and then we're converting that into a pill. Uh, the estrogen in that horse urine, we convert that into a pill form and give it to women to take it. Okay, um, so a little history there with the medication, but you know you don't have to feel like you need to just uh, order the you know um, the mainstream um, birth control pills. Uh, there's actually what something called bioidentical hormones, uh, which is actually most a lot of people start using now. This is um, using a, a hormone that's similar to human and then giving that to human instead. We don't look like horse, we don't neigh like horse, we don't sleep like horse or eat like a horse. So you, you might want to you know use hormone that more human type. Um, you could look up compounding pharmacy. There's actually tons of compounding pharmacy um, locally where you are that actually could prescribe these for you or near nearby you that actually uh, be able to do uh, bioidentical hormones. Um, the best way to do a bioidentical hormone is actually run all the tests. Look at you know, look at the progesterone. Look at the E1, E2, E3, even. Um, look at testosterone, androgen, um, all of those hormones. Okay, to see um, which one is high, which one is low. If you have certain one that's low, you only supplement those one that's actually low. If testosterone is low, then you uh, order just testosterone. If uh, estrogen E1, E1 is low, then you order the E1 cream. So you actually will prescribe based on um, which hormone that is low to them which kind of makes sense. Um, these are over-counted products that anyone could actually buy. Uh, Osteoderm is for e estrogen. Okay, This is a natural estrogen, just kind of letting you know. This is technically E2, but this is a phytoestrogen. This is coming from a plant. Okay, uh, This is coming from a plant. Uh, no, it's not soil. It's not soy. It's completely different based on soy. Uh, it's another plant that actually help promote um, your body your, uh, to produce more E2. Okay, Osteoderm. Uh, this one also promotes E2. The V uh, is actually stronger. The V stands for vagina. This one, you put it on the cervix. Uh, the patient will actually put that on the cervix themselves every day, once a day. Um, this is strong. You don't want to put this on the screen, on your skin. Um, it actually uh, will, will cause irritation on the skin. Okay. Um, proc uh, propanol. Propanol is actually your progesterone uh, hormone. Your progesterone hormone. Um, Progesterone does a lot in your body, uh, does a lot. So one of the huge things is for you guys to remember, if 
you deal with anytime you deal with mood problem, let's say your mood just going up and down all over the place throughout the month for women, um, this would be a good product for them to use. Uh, all they have to do is put uh, in the you know rotating between the thighs and their uh, and their arm in, in the part of their arm and thighs, uh, right by the armpit, right by the groin area, um, one times a day after shower, not before shower. Just to make you put a cream on and then you. Um, and then you shower doesn't make a lot of sense. So uh, also make sure do not eat this. Uh, don't eat none of this. Um, you actually will have a bad allergic reaction. So you, this is a tropical uh, topical cream that you put on. Okay, topical cream. So put inside the arm. Let's say today is uh, in the evening. Today you put on the left side, left, left arm. Tomorrow uh, left leg. Next day right leg. Next day right arm. So you kind of rotate that on a daily basis. Okay. Both of these actually takes um, usually run about one uh, one month supply if you use it correctly. Um, also, uh, this is a good product, and also progesterone is a good product. Try this next time. Uh, if you have someone who have uh, postpartum depression, all you have to do is give them um, give them progesterone, and they will be free of that postpartum depression. It'll only take about a day or so um, to actually get rid of it. So works amazingly. I have used it over and over, over again with patients. Um, when they have postpartum, they come in, and all you have to do is give them uh, either this product here, or you could actually order the bioidentical hormone just for the uh, that progesterone itself. So you could test out their progesterone, see see how their progesterone level would be, and, and then go from there to prescribe. Okay, so let's go through these really quick. I will um, look at from the top down. Okay, so this is the ovarian cycle. You have uh, the growth of the cycle getting bigger, then the ovulation. Um, comes out you have the left uh, the leftover stuff called corpus luteum um, your body temperature spike okay from baseline 36 going all the way up um, this is a good method for if someone wants to um, you know determine their um, body temperature do the body temperature methods uh, but keep in mind you want to do it every morning you want to test the vaginal temperature every morning so make sure uh, make sure you tell your patient using a thermostat to stick in uh, in the vaginal canal every morning about the same time and record that, that temperature. There's actually an app for it now that you could record the body, the vaginal temperature throughout and we'll map it out as well. So what you want to notice is it's going to drop down first. After it drops, it's going to go up. Okay. After it's dropped, you want to look for that drop. Okay. Let's say you've seen this kind of study, uh, 36.1.2, and then all of a sudden become 35.9. You see that drop. And then the next day it will go up. It will shoot up to 37 or closer to 37. Um, that's the sign that when you see this drop. If you don't want to have a baby, then you say, no, no, shop close for the next few days, okay, for the next two days, and no, uh, no fun, no, no partying uh, in this joint for two days, okay, so everything is closed up, okay, lockdown, stay home, uh, keep your snake in a trouser, so stay home for two days, uh, but if you want to have a baby, go at it and have a great time, okay, uh, so this is the time to look for, if you look for to get to have a baby, you look for this uh, drop in the temperature, and when next day it's going to go up. Okay. So what happened with your uh, FS, FSH and LH? Your FSH and LH is going to surge right before, you know, a few days um, before the uh, ovulation. It will peak at the ovulation. Okay, Follicle-stimulating hormone, referring to it's stimulating your follicle growth, stimulating follicle growth, and then help with the ovulation okay, process, help promote the ovulation. Luteinizing hormone, referring to this. Um, luteinizing meaning that you're building up the wall in the uterine wall, okay, luteinizing. It does uh, other things as well. It also helps with stimulating the uh, the ovulation, prepare you know going through the process of corpus luteum, all of those as well. Um, your 
estradiol, which is E2, and your progesterone, uh, e, E2 is goes up during that ovulation, right before ovulation. When ovulation hit, it goes down, um, but also help prepare progesterone, and E2 also help prepare the um, the going into the urine cycles. Um, it's good to know if you're going to work with uh, OB and gyne. You need to know these phases, like fol follicular phase, luteal phase, um, so all of these would be really good to know uh, when you if you want to be, do your OB stuff. Menarche is your first menstruation. Sad to say that um, over the decades, over the um, last 20, 30 years, uh, we've seen the, the menarche uh, earlier and er earlier each year. So um, women, girls, actually become, you know, hit puberty a lot younger and younger. Um, menopause, this is when you stop, uh, you close the job, you close the job of making babies, okay? Um, your normal cycles, again, is 28 days. Some people are 21, some people are 32, 40, so it depends on the person, so. Uh, your perimenopause, this is when you, um, you're you done. Uh, perimenopause is before you're done. Um, you're kind of wrapping things up. This is uh, you're done with your heydays of having kids, and now you want to kind of chillax your uterus, kind of retire your uterus uh, from having babies. So. Okay, your breast tissue, we're going to talk a little bit more about that. Um, as you get older, your uterus uh, become atrophy, your ovaries become atrophy. So things always, you know, gravity takes place, so uh, things just shrivel down and things just become a little bit more fatigue. Okay? So just a fact of life. Uh, as we age, again, uh, the ovaries uh, start to decrease in size. Um, so everything kind of goes down after 30, so uh, after 30 is back nine, folks, so it's just kind of expect that after, once you pass that 30, things will not look up. Uh, things will start looking down. So you, you're hitting that back down. So this thing will just kind of become wear and tear. Things is kind of falling apart all the time. Okay. Uh, and then it's kind of starts slow and then go literally get on the gas. And after 60 years old, literally things just falling off, um, including your teeth, your hair, everything else. It's just falling apart. Um, your breast is going to go down to your knees. So it's kind of sagging all over the place. So, okay. So that's aging. You don't change. Um, as um, your endometrium, thickness of your endometrium is, is become more as you age, um, periods become heavier until you eventually it stops and all kind of spotting and stuff. I want to kind of show you this. Um, this is kind of, we know this for a long time, um, and, and the endocrinologists actually know this for a long time. But as you can see, things are actually connected. Your cholesterol is actually produced, uh, part of it is actually produced in your adrenal gland, your medulla part of your adrenal gland. So does your sex hormone also produced there as well. You have these, are it's actually converted itself to other hormones like progesterone, DHEA, androgen, uh, testosterone, estradiol, um, estrone. So you could see all these hormones are interconnected okay let's say let's say that if your for most people if your estrogen e2 goes down okay e2 goes down uh, e1 probably goes down things are just gonna start to back up okay back up to these points so most of the time you could trace it from here so a lot of women if you actually have low estradiol low estrone uh, more likely you're gonna have low dhea because all of this gonna you're not gonna have this to make any of these your testosterone gonna go low as well when you have low estrogen, you're going to become depressed, you're going to feel moody, you feel like, you don't touch me, don't talk to me, um, you, you want to kind of isolate yourself all the time, you have no libido, your, your sex drive is completely kaput and gone, um, if this goes down, progesterone, you become depressed, you're highly depressed, okay, a lot of times, if this goes down, these main stuff go down, things will actually start to back up here, which means your cholesterol, cholesterol level goes up, 
the cholesterol level goes up. All of these problems kind of interconnected. We just don't think about it that way. We tend to treat one problem from the other, different from the other. So if you tra- you test out, you, you treated these uh, hormone system correctly, you don't need to prescribe the cholesterol uh, medication for your patient. Your cholesterol, cholesterol will go down automatically if it knows where to go. If you could break it down the cholesterol down to these things, these could actually work perfectly. Okay, so keep these in mind. I mean, you have these um, these. This chart here, you could find this chart on Google. Just look at the hormone synthesis, uh, cholesterol synthesis to these um, um, re- reproductive hormones. We This is not a secret. We know this a long time ago, and uh, it's in the studies. It's been studied for a long, long time. We just don't connect the dots with the practice. We just don't take some of these and put it, build it into your practice. Some of the things that you can use to actually help boost up the DHEA uh, are these supplements that you could actually uh, use online. Um, there's a whole bunch of... Uh, Articles actually talk about um, benefits of these um, these uh, these supplements. Okay, um, let's see, like this one, you're saying uh, effects of six month treatment of uh, DHEA 100 milligram a day. Just 100 milligram a day uh, with aging, it actually helps with muscle strength, body composition uh, in both men and women. So a lot of time, there's there's you know without these hormones, your body is not aging properly or correctly so you need these hormones to help boost up your metabolic metabolism in your muscle strength and your other stuff as well so you, you know, should be able to find tons of articles um, we did uh, we do a lot of study on these uh, already so but it just we just don't talk about that for some weird reason um, but it's a good supplement that you can use to actually help with your patient okay androgen is the uh, from the male hormone women do have it as well uh, you have lower level of testosterone um, women do pr- pr- create that um, as men age as we age our testosterone level goes down and you probably will see that with your patient in their 40s and 50s uh, the testosterone level goes down their estrogen level goes up their skin become nice and softer their voice become a little higher pitch um, they become moody all the time um, becomes very sensitive cry every single uh, chick flick movie uh, so but opposite to women women as you age your estrogen, your estrogen goes down your testosterone goes up so if you've ever seen those girls in a nursing home, some of them have a deeper voice, um, Mildred had a really deep voice in a nursing home. So, and that could be because of their higher level of testosterone and they might be growing stash too as well, have a little, a little light goatee going, uh, cool, cool little look that they have, like five, five, uh, five o'clock shade kind of look uh, that they have going. So, um, so you see those with women, a lot to look forward to uh, having all these fun stuff uh, as you age. Um, let's see, prolactin we talk about in the endocrine, um, LH, uh, usually like, regulate the testosterone secretion for men, FSH help with uh, making sperm, so inhibin, this is from the sartori cells, this is uh, kind of stop the FSH, kind of kill switch, you say, let's see, let's get to the, everything uh, for, for the reproductive hormone, usually we talk about positive feedback system, meaning that if it's keep going up until you run out and then just stop, GnRH is a negative feedback, uh, FSH and LH, those are positive feedbacks. Um, okay, some girls might have delayed puberty. There could be a lot of things. Um, first thing you might want to test now today, if they have the complaint of amenorrhea, this is called primary amenorrhea. Uh, first thing you want to test is to see whether they're pregnant. Um, you never know. Uh, they could say, no, 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 they never do anything such such a thing. You test and then all of a sudden, long and behold, they are pregnant. So, um, 
yeah, they may not be as innocent as you as they claim to be now today. But for the most part, teen uh, have to give credit. Uh, teen pregnancy rate goes down. Uh, so over over the past decade, so um, teens are become more protective of, of in terms of uh, sex. They do have sex more, according to a lot of studies. Shows that they do have, uh, early sex as well. They actually tend to have much earlier. Um, could be at the twelve, thirteen. Uh, they already uh, think about sex. Uh, the youngest father in the recent, most recent history uh, is actually a 10 years old, if I remember correctly. Um, kind of weird story. They actually have a weird story. I, think I may have that in upcoming slide as well. Uh, second, there amenorrhea. You might want to... Um, so primary is basically just you just don't have a uh, period whatsoever. You just kind of delay in terms of your developmental delay. Um, meaning that you kind of hit puberty later on. Some women do hit puberty later on, you know, they're 14, 15, or even 16 years old, uh, develop those characteristics a little bit later on. Uh, but if it's secondary, amenorrhea does mean it's caused by something else, including like weight loss. A lot of, not a lot, a few women actually go, you know, have that anorexic, anorexic look kind of thing. Um, so they call it pro-ana. You type in pro-ana, uh, you will see that on a whole bunch of websites telling girls how to become anorexic, what they need to do to become anorexic. So uh, it was a hit, was an in-look for a, a few years ago. Uh, now I think uh, they kind of stopped doing that uh, at this point. But there's still some. We still have some people, girls still have doing anorexia. Um, weight loss problem, hypothyroidism, PCOS, all of this could be a good reason to have uh, secondary amenorrhea. Secondary so you have to check for all of those. Okay. Uh, primary dysmenorrhea does mean pain during the um, menstruation. Okay, um, that could be could be all kinds of things. Like I said, could be um, part of the postprandial release. Could be hormonal. Could be related. Could be stress related. So all kinds of things could actually cause it. You could also have the um, abnormal uterine bleeding. Abnormal uterine bleeding. Different type of bleeding from um, could be tumors, cysts, polyps, all kinds of things. Um, so first, we want to talk about this is something you need to know. So really put a star on this. You have PCOS, polycystic ovarian syndrome. Okay, you need to have at least two of these signs. At least two of these signs. So you need to know at least two of these um, to consider PCOS. Okay, uh, the way PCOS work is this. Um, so one out of fifteen women you actually have during the childbearing age. Um, so what happened is you have the increased surge of LH. Your LH level goes up. Okay, your LH level goes up, but your FSH levels stay the same. So your LH to FSH is going to be two to one. So by just testing, simply testing their LH and FSH, you're going to see that right away that their LH is higher than FSH. So what happens is when the LH goes up, it stimulates the androgen. Androgen. Your androgen then convert into testosterone. Okay, convert into DHEA. Uh, increase conversion to estrogen without enough progesterone to balance it. So your estrogen level goes haywire, but you don't have enough progesterone in your body to balance it. So what do we do? One of the things that you can do is to actually promote more progesterone in their body by giving them progesterone. Okay? Different ways some doctor use, you know, a control pill, you could use bioidentical hormones, other things to actually help increase their, their progesterone level as well. Um, because of the progesterone, because of the testosterone, you're going to see all the symptoms based on these, based on the progesterone, um, low level of progesterone, um, and high level of estrogen, and then low, um, high level of testosterone as well. Okay, so endometrial hyperplasia, that means you have thicker wall, okay, that could actually lead to endometrial cancer. This is what happened, your GnRH goes to your anterior pituitary, your LH is actually more when it goes, the LH goes X on the follicle, on the DECA cell specifically, it converts itself 
uh, to androgen and the beaker cell makes more androgen. The androgen then goes into and stimulate the granulosa cells, which actually in turn create more E2. Okay, so your LH goes up, your E2 goes up, your pressure, your pressure, progesterone is kind of low, uh, it's not balancing those out. Uh, your testosterone more likely goes up as well. Okay, so when your testosterone goes up, you have this right here, uh, varicization, meaning that you have uh, hair everywhere. Okay, uh, you have male trait, you have deeper voice, uh, you're starting some people actually gaining weight as well because of elevated testosterone and estrogen. Um, there's actually a show on TLC that um, my 50, um, 500 pound life or something like that. Um, she actually has PCOS and she become, you know, um, grow, you know, grew in her size. So um, with, with high level of testosterone and also estrogen, this could also create insulin resistance, which kind of lead to type 2 diabetes. So you start seeing these as well. And acanthrosis nigricans, acanthrosis nigricans, so this dark line, this is the telltale signs and Diabetes is coming, it's knocking on your door, whether you like it or not, you could have this, okay? So get yourself ready. So things to know with this PCOS, one is increase in LH, you're going to have cysts everywhere in your ovaries, um, increase in androgen, testosterone, estrogen, uh, low in progesterone, okay? Uh, could cause um, cancer, uh, endometri endometrial cancer, uh, you're going to have rosation, uh, you're going to have male traits and could lead to type 2 diabetes as well. Other things that I didn't mention like hypertension, hyperlipidemia, so other hormone um, problem like NASH. So, so this is the, the stash you can see must um, be growing hair here, have a male type, typical hair growth. Um, okay. So more likely if you have this, uh, the chance for you to have kids become a little harder. A lot of time you know, we don't remove them, so because a lot of people still wanting to have kids, so we keep them intact, but then that's going to cause pain over the years. Again, uh, PMS or PMDD, premenstrual dysphoric disorder. So this one, usually you have increase in estrogen, your PMS, and or decrease in the progesterone. Your progesterone is just go kaput become very depressed, you start having these cramps, um, you have these um, mental, emotional, behavioral change. Um, so best way to treat them, again, treat them with progesterone, okay? Um, DIM is actually help absorb estrogen. DIM is actually a supplement that you could actually recommend women to take. Uh, this will, uh, if you have a high level of estrogen, a uh, good supplement to actually uh, recommend to for women to take to absorb and bind with some of those estrogen to actually lower the overall estrogen level in, in the body. Okay, the other one that actually works pretty well uh, with for women's health. Uh, this is the herbal supplement called Vitex and turmeric. Turmeric actually used in a lot of food throughout the world and actually has um, a lot of um, good use for women's health. It actually stabilizing hormones with women, also help with um, you know mood as well, and also helping with cramps and other things as well. So there's a lot of benefit with turmeric. Okay, why text as well? But those takes time. It's not a magic pill that you take in today and tomorrow you feel better. Uh, just like any hormone, hormone actually system is slow, so you want to keep that in mind. It will, it probably will take about a month or so before you actually start seeing any results or changes. PID is pelvic inflammatory disease. Uh, this is basically you have infection on in your uterus or cervix. Okay, uh, salpingitis. Uh, that's inflammation of your fallopian tube. Ophoritis uh, is inflammation of your ovaries. Uh, with PID, one of the things that you're gonna do with your um, spine exam, 
when you do your pie exam, they will actually ask you to use your two fingers, grab the, the cervix, and then kind of shake hand with the cervix with two fingers and see what happens. If anyone who have PID, pelvic inflammatory disease, they will have something called a chandelier sign. Chandelier sign, when you use that two finger, grab on the cervix, move it up and down, shaking hand with cervix, uh, women actually will come painful and they want to scream out of top of their lungs and grab onto that chandelier because uh, it's so painful. Okay, so that's one of the things we do. We do uh, to in your health assessment class that you need to test it out to test to see whether they have that chandelier sign, with, which will show that they have PID. Cervic, cervical motion tenderness. You move the cervix around and become tender. U uterine tenderness. Um, vaginitis is. Um, Inflammation caused by Candida albicans. This is one of the uh, more common ones. You see this quite a bit. Okay, um, women usually have could could have this, um, but very easy to treat. You could just uh, just give them seven day course um, to treat them. Treat them pretty easily. Cervicitis. That's inflammation of your cervix. Okay. Uh, Bartholonitis, Bartholon cyst, this is the um, lubrication cyst, so this is a cyst on your lubricant gland, Bartholon gland, uh, to help lubricate women. A lot of times, just like any water system, you could have a clot. When you have a clot, you actually start developing cysts. So a lot of times, you just have to remove the cysts. Uh, this is uterine prolapse, one of the things that as you age, um, you will have most, not most women, but some women will go through these. So the uterus decided to come out and play. They don't want to hide inside anymore. They just want to come out and play outside. So um, this is what happened with the uterine prolapse. You have three stages. Uh, stage one, the prolapse, uh, the uterine actually comes down from where it used to be. Uh, stage two, it's almost come out. Stage three is uh, coming out and say hi. Okay, uh, and sometimes it could come out very long, it could come out half, halfway down your leg. So, um, this thing usually you have you see this in their 40 and 50 years old and above. So, women who are in their 40 and 50s could actually have this. Okay, benign ovarian cysts, very common. Um, as you grow, uh, as you as we age, um, you definitely tend to develop um, cysts everywhere uh, from your breast all the way down to your ovaries. So, um, and it's just a normal growth of the ovaries. So. You're welcome to watch these videos. Endometrial polyps. Uh, this is when you have polyps inside your uterus, uh, inside your lining. Okay. Um, this is a big one that, that most oftentimes they use and they ask this, even though it's a rare condition. Um, people oftentimes ask this on the exam on your three Ps. Uh, this is called leomyomas. Leomyomas. This is some benign tumors, completely benign. Very common in African American and Asian folks. Tends to have these a lot more than everyone else. Um, so what is this? This is a just a fibroid, a uterine fibroid. Um, anywhere, you know, you can see here anywhere on the uterus. Uh, okay, anywhere in your, you know, it could be in, in the wall, could be way inside, could be on the outside, could be. In the middle of the uterus itself, or on top of the uterus, so all kinds of places, and you see it pretty easily right here. Um, it, this one good thing is it's not responding to hormones. So when you think of these, it's just always remember this is not doesn't have to do with hormones. So we, what what does that mean? That means if you hit that time of month when you have period, these will not produce uh, any blood uh, or shut off, shred off any uh, epithelial cells. Um, Okay, so basically it's just um, just a growth, it's just a, a benign tumor. Most people do take it out because of the just feeling pain or uncomfortable inside with these things, so they do take it out. Endometriosis, that's the 
you have the endometrial growth outside where it's supposed to be. So anywhere that's not inside the uterus, uh, that would be endometriosis. Okay, endometriosis. So there's several causes that could actually cause this. Could be because of the uh, menst uh, retrograde menstruation. Um, some weird theory could be that, you know the girls who like to you know uh, do upside down kind of stuff like um, gymna gymnastic or stuff stuff like that or doing a handstand yoga or whatnot, causing it to go opposite way. So, but those are theories. Uh, none of them are proven, and some of them are just sound weird. Um, but just know that uh, it's basically just a growth of your endometrium where it's not supposed to be. Um, keep in mind, for one thing, this is a this growth is responsible responsible for your hormones, meaning that uh, every month this tissue will start shredding, uh, start uh, sloughing off. So we'll, the wall become thicker, it start building with blood, and then it actually will uh, slough off. So imagine this, if you actually have it outside here, in on the ovaries, on the ovarian ligament, on the outside of the um, of the uterus, uh, you're gonna start have, have bleeding uh, inside your abdominal cavity or pelvic cavity, causing sepsis and all kinds of problems. So you could see in this one uh, endometriosis uh, that have blood here, uh, could be uh, left on, you know, could do uh, left on other organs as well. This one is a lucky one, seems to have everything here. You have the, the fibroid, you have the cyst, you have the another fibroid, you have endometriosis all over the place. Now you have adhesion going on as well, so all the fun stuff. All the fun under the sun in one place. So lucky her, lucky girl. So, so again, there's a lot of theories uh, causing it, backflow of the blood, so there's nothing really worth remembering, basically. We don't really know, uh, like first degree relatives. I mean, I'm sure you have birth defects too as well. Marry your cousin down the south. So uh, all kinds of things. Okay. Next, we'll talk about cancer. Uh, something you need to know for your final exam, cancer, uh, cervical cancer caused by HPV, which all of you already know this. I'm sure you already know this little information, nothing new, HPV. Um, human papillomavirus uh, infection cause cancer. Okay. Uh, vaginal cancer uh, is rare form, a really rare form. So you guys could take a look at some of these cancer, different type of cancer, endometrial cancer, uterine sarcoma. Um, so ovarian cancer. This is one of the the silent killer that you definitely needs to detect. Uh, if you would detect this early, it's very good to be treated. Um, but if you detect it later, you may have lots of problems. It could be well spread. So it's really good for you to be careful and then be able to test this out to make sure you uh, cover all your bases. Um, infertilities, uh, we have more and more of these problems, uh, infertilities. Um, there's a video, actually this is a good video. If you have time, let's say during that one week off that you have and you bore, you stay home, nothing else to do and you run, you watch all of your Netflix stuff, you could watch this. This is called the human experiment. Human experiment has to do with um, with all the chemicals and stuff that we put in our body that can actually cause, um, well, this is on YouTube, so one of the things that it could cause is it could cause infertilities. Uh, infertilities. Um, both men and women, uh, a lot of these chemicals that we live our day-to-day -day lives um, cause us problem because some of these chemicals are hormonal-based hormonal or um, hormone-disrupt um, regulators, so it actually will dysregulate some of your hormone, causing all of your hormone going whack. Galactoria, that's mean you're just having diarrhea with your milk, uh, so your milk come out everywhere. Uh, we talked about that before uh, when we talk about the tumors, uh, the most common pituitary adenoma, um, causing galactoria or one of the most common ones.
fibrocystic change. We're going to talk about breasts for a second. Uh, fibrocystic change. As women going to age, you're going to go through this. You're going to have cysts. You make cysts for a living. Women make cysts for a living. So just keep that in mind. Women make, make cysts all the time, including the one, including the one on their breasts. Uh, they actually oftentimes make that uh, cyst such fibrocystic change. The breast tissue become harder. Um, just make sure that you, when you palpate, you make sure that it's movable. If it's not non-movable, which is a problem. Uh, if um, in terms of uh, pain, if you don't have any pain, that's also a problem. You find a mass there, and also if you uh, run your finger along the underneath the bicep, you should feel the uh, the lymph node, uh, the bicep lymph node, actually become enlarged. Those are all the telltale sign of uh, breast cancer. Okay, uh, common cancer in America. Uh, kill leading death for the age of 40 and 44. So, this is uh, eight things that you might want to look at and, uh, when when you look examining breasts. Uh, when you do a, a thine exam, when you ever for women to come in and do thine exam, you probably want to look at the breasts as well to make sure that they don't have any problem with the breasts. And these are the eight things that you want to look for in the breasts. The first one will go from the bottom. One picture is going to go from bottom up. So first one is the asymmetry. If you one breast is bigger, one breast is smaller, that's not good. Um, there should be some asymmetry to a certain extent. Most most of us are not completely uh, copy of one side to the other, so but not this much. The second one is the retraction of the nipple. If you see the nipples going back, this is a bad sign as well. Where is my cursor? There we go. This is a bad sign. You don't want this to see this. Uh, it's actually a good sign of cancer. Uh, Patch of disease, this is you have eczema-like around the alveola, areola. So this is the uh, eczema-like. So that's also a, a bad sign. Uh, you can see the necrosis here, it's too late. Uh, this is called dimpling. Dimpling, you see actually like a little crater, a little crater that's going on there. Okay. A nodule, you could see uh, actually four is dimpling, sorry. Four is dimpling, five is nodule. Six, this is ulceration, sorry, looking backwards. Uh, six is ulceration, you have these ulceration here. Uh, bad sign to do that. For the orange, uh, for the orange, this is the uh, skin of the orange. Uh, you can see when you see the skin of the orange on breast, that's a bad sign as well. Um, this is the umbilicus, uh, your belly button. So you have that red sign on that, um, uh, your belly button, that's not good either. So any of these, you might want to note and also make sure that uh, that know which one is what, which um, you will be tested based on that as well. Location where you find the breast cancer or mass, you need to lock it based on location. U O Q U I Q L O Q L I Q. So where is it? Uh, where is the the, the mass you find? Most mass are usually on the tail end of the breast, which is this area. This is called the tail breast area on the outside and on the tail end. Okay, let's see. Breast cancer, we talked about some of the stuff already. Um, uh, one of the best ways to diagnose uh, breast cancer is to use ultrasound. Okay, ultrasound. Um, you could see uh, some people, a lot of people recommend mammogram first, but mammogram is not as clear as ultrasound. Ultrasound is a lot clearer. Now you have 3D and 4D ultrasound. You could actually see it right away when you use 3D ultrasound. Pretty easier to do. Um, mammogram is kind of outdated at this point, um, and it's painful. You know, women have to go stand there and get their uh, breasts squeezed like no tomorrow. Um, so it's much more painful that way. So you want to kind of resort out to ultrasound. Pretty easy. 
affordable as well. Uh, you need to know these, uh, BRCA, BRCA gene 1 and 2, 1 uh, located on chromosome 17, 2 is on 13, they're actually big, huge deal about their cancer. I believe they are saying that their um, the breast cancer rate may have gone down as well. So what I'll do, just um, to keep the video short, I'll divide this into two parts. So we'll finish, this is, we finish the first part, I'll actually put out the second part video as well. Stay tuned. Um, I'll see you next video. Bye. Welcome back to the second part, to the reproductive system, part two. Um, this part has to do with uh, all these sexual transmitted disease and other things uh, related to uh, reproductive system. So let's get to it. Um, okay. So especially with male reproductive system, you have urethritis. Uh, that's just information of the urethra. Um, very simple, similar to, um, usually it's STI, STTD, usually very similar to uh, UTI. So you just have to test, uh, treat it uh, based on what, what's causing the, uh, the problem. So oftentimes you have to tra treat it first uh, in a broad spectrum antibiotics and you may want to culture it and see what, uh, what truly causing that for men. Um, some terms, I think I, I'm not sure if we covered some of these already, but um, so let's see, the first one is phimosis. Um, phimosis is the type of the, uh, the penis gland. Um, so basically, the foreskin squeezing, uh, squeeze, squeezing the, uh, the penis itself. You have paraphimosis, uh, usually just kind of reducing the area of the penis gland and uh, causing feeling uncomfortable um, because it become really tight. Okay, um, it causes edema. Rony disease, uh, you, you get this quite, well, you hear this on the news, um, on the commercial quite a bit recently. So this is where you have buildup of these um, plaque, um, fibrous of plaque tissue that start to, to build up uh, in, in, on top of the penis or on bottom of the penis, uh, either one, okay? Okay. So let's see, this one is pride prism. Um, it just means you actually have um, too long of the erection. Usually, erection is caused by the blood flow. You have more blood flow coming in, causing the penis to be able to erect. Or you know, that's why we talk about uh, ED is a sign of early um, vascular problem to the penis because uh, of the high, um, could be an early sign of hypertension, high blood pressure. So the, the blood couldn't come to the penis, causing it to, to go up. So this is the opposite where you have too much blood coming in, causing the penis to be erect all the time. So could cause a very painful. So any erection more than uh, one or two hours needs to, to go to, uh, to, the, to the ER, okay, or to the doctor. Um, Balanitis, uh, this is inflammation of the penis gland, so the, the tip of the penis, when um, you have inflammation there, causing a lot of pain. Could, it could be all kinds of uh, inf infections. We talk about different type of, in of bugs actually could cause this. Penile cancer usually is rare. Uh, a lot of time, people often associate this with circumcision. Um, technically, whether you circumcise or not, you could get this. Circumcision has nothing to do with penile cancer. Some people associate with that. Um, so with penile cancer, usually it's come later on. You actually have this when you are older, uh, in your 60s, uh, 50 or 60. Uh, and you, whether you circumcise or not, you can still get this. Uh, but it's very, very rare. Usually it's squamous cell carcinoma, CC. So... Um, keep that in mind. Uh, speaking of the circumcision, oftentimes you need to educate yourself with the with the issue as well. So you might want to know more about that um, when people ask. Um, 
you know, my, my take, for my take, you know, when we talk about circumcision is, um, why do it? You know, um, why do it? There's no reason to doing it. Um, usually, most people here in the U.S., the reason you're doing it is because of tradition. That family are doing it from one generation to the next. Um, but there's no rhyme or reason. Uh, you know, we don't do it for women. Um, you know, you don't do circumcision for women. Uh, why do why doing it on boys? Uh, some cultures are doing it on women. African culture, um, they circumcise women. You know, um, when when you reach puberty, in their you know at the age of 14, 16, to to signify to signify as adulthood. So they they would just take it to. Um, to the doctor or to these people and just cut, cut off the clitoris um, without any anesthetics. So, um, so we don't do that here. But why are we doing it to men? So that's just my take. So I mean, I'm not against circumcision. I'm just against doing it onto the baby. So if you're an adult, you want to chop off your penis, do whatever you want, that's fine. But just don't do it to the baby. Uh, let the baby make decisions. So you guys could watch more about this. Actually, um, there's a video on Netflix that that you could watch about this circumcision. So uh, you could educate yourself with that. Okay. Varicose seal looks like this. This is when your vein on the uh, testicle becomes larger, causing the enlargement of the uh, of the testes. It looks kind of like a bag of worms, uh, bag of worms, varicose seal. Uh, hydro seal. Hydro is uh, water, so you actually have water in the in the testicle. So this is very painful. Spermatoseal, seal. This is a uh, you have fluid uh, benign fluid in your epididymis. This is where the where you store the sperm epididymis. Cryptocortism is undescending of the testy. You have a problem testy not coming down properly. Uh, oftentimes, we detect this early on during infancy, um, and they need to be corrected. Uh, without correction, it could cause fertility problem because uh, the testy may not be strong, uh, may not be down further enough for the sperm to to, to stay alive for, you know, outside of the body temperature, and could cause other things as well, like cancer or other things. So we do want to fix the issue. Uh, but it's not a pressing issue to fix. Um, you know, some doctor, pediatrician may hold it off until the kid's a little bit older, uh, so they could withstand surgery a little bit better. Um, so it's not something they have to fix right away. So this is torsion, artistical torsion. Torsion is when it's twisted. Um, this is true, truly the blue balls uh, when your balls truly becoming blue. Um, so technically, you're cutting the blood supply to to the testy. This is a medical emergency, very very painful. Uh, you have to untwine it, untwine this. Um, so it's an emergency surgery, and oftentimes we untwine it and we kind of stitch uh, uh, stitch the cord uh, to the scrotum to the back itself, and so hoping it won't twirl again. But if it happened once, it can happen again. So uh, something to keep in mind. Orchitis. Orchitis is inflammation of your testes. Okay, uh, usually acute type um, uh, associated with mumps, um, and you, just, you need to treat it very quickly as well. This is very painful. Cancer of the testes. Uh, this is one of the more curable ones. You very easily cure with the with the cancer of the testy. Um, happen early on, uh, especially testicular cancer. Something to remember. You actually will see this on your exam. So uh, the age range, fifteen to thirty-five. Okay, fifteen to thirty-five. That's the age range for the testicular cancer. That's why we, uh, you know, uh, ask young men to to touch to and to detect whether they have um, any lumps there or not. But it's very curable. It usually you kind of stay at the same place. Doesn't spread. Doesn't metastasize. Epididymitis. Uh, this is information of your epididymis. Oftentimes, you see this when you have a sexually active young man coming in, uh, just overuse and causing inf infection. You have STDs. Uh, they just uh, sleep with, uh, without safe sex, having unprotected sex uh, could actually lead to this. Prost prostatitis. That's information of your prostate gland. Usually, could be bacterial. Uh, 
just going up from the you know urethra growing up to the prostate causing inflammation there so Gynecomastia, this is when men develop breasts uh, pretty easily um, because of the estrogen and testosterone ratio. You may have estrogen from all kinds of things, uh, steroids, um, you could have other diseases actually end up with this as well. Male can also get breast cancer, not as common as women, but um, you can get that as something to notice as well for men. Um, anytime you see any type of discharge, nasal, uh, so nipple discharge, uh, nipple discharge, then you might want to be, uh, be aware of that. Okay, the STI stuff, so much fun with these, especially fun to look at it. Uh, but we'll start with bacterial and we'll go all the way to fungal. Okay. So first one is bacterial infection. It's the common one for men. This is called gonorrhea. Gonorrhea. Uh, the bug is Neisseria gonorrhea. So that's the bug to remember, Neisseria gonorrhea. Okay. Usually women, just keep in mind, women can be asymptomatic. Women can be asymptomatic. Uh, and women can be carrier to men. Uh, women can carry it and give it to men. Uh, men usually will feel that you actually have a white discharge, but a very painful discharge all the time. Okay. Um, painful discharge. Okay. Um, Um, usually, again, women is asymptomatic. Again, men, you're going to have painful urination or this pure penile discharge, or sometimes both. So keep that in mind. Gonorrhea can actually go to any other place in your body. If it's only there, that's fine. But people, again, do weird things. Um, if it gets into the eye, it's actually very, very painful. Gonorrhea in the eye is actually not fun. Um, very painful in the eye. Um, if it's in the throat, uh, also you could have gonorrhea in the throat. Also not fun as well, very painful. On, the, on your skin, um, different part of your body on your skin, you could have on your, um, just uh, topically, uh, could cause very painful. Even on the mouth, outside the mouth and nose, so everywhere. Ophthalmia neonatarum, uh, this is gonorrhea infection in the eye. So if mom has gonorrhea and then you do vaginal birth, baby could actually get this as well. And could may lead, without treatment, it could lead to blindness. So something to keep that in mind. Syphilis. Syphilis is caused by uh, Treponema pallatum. Treponema pallatum. Okay, so something to remember is actually on your also final exam. Um, syphilis has three stages. Three stages. Uh, the first stage is actually comes on very quickly. It's actually usually on the genitalia. That's the first stage is on the genitalia. It's the painless canker sore. Okay. Painless canker sore. So you see this little sore come up, but it doesn't have pain, doesn't feel anything, doesn't feel itchy. And apparently it goes away by itself after a few days. Uh, usually after after three or four days, it usually disappears. So people usually don't treat it. They don't feel like, wow, well, it's just gone away already, so nothing to worry, right? Uh, that's the primary stage. Uh, once it's gone away for a couple of days, um, actually it could take a, a few weeks, it will come back again. Uh, is you're going to have rash all over your body. You're going to have these little rash all over your body, your palm, your soul. Um, not itchy, non painful, not sore. You have these sores all over rash, but you're not really sure. It's not itchy, not painful. And then it just, don't, you don't feel good, but it's not terrible. It's not, you're not, it's not killing you or anything. It, it doesn't prevent you from doing things. So, and most people usually come in for treatment. Okay. But if you don't, um, then you can get the third stage. The first two stages. The first two stage, you could actually use penicillin. Uh, prescription of penicillin for 10 days or one shot of penicillin will cure this thing. It will kill the syphilis and it's completely gone. But without treating in the first two phase, uh, two, two phase of this, uh, it could go tertiary, which means that it could lay dormant for 30, 40 years. And when it comes back, it actually could hit your heart, uh, could hit your brain, could hit your um, these two, your brain, your heart, and you could die from it. Okay. It's a death sentence, and there's nothing we can do at that point. Uh, once it goes into your brain or your heart, uh, it will be very difficult to treat. 
and to treat it very actually to to test it very easy something to remember uh, along with you know painless canker sore and also um, teproneema pallatum so those two um, is the the vdrl vdrl or trpr uh, those are the tests that we use to uh, to see whether you have positive or syphilis okay this is the first stage usually painless canker sore and then it goes away and then you go into the second stage which is all over your body your palm but that doesn't stay too long either it goes away and then third stage um go into your brain and you die from it most people usually will laugh until you die i have seen this couple of people had this uh they just keep laughing keep on laughing and refuse any treatment so uh, this picture of the child this is before 1940 uh, 45 we we discovered penicillin in 1945 um before then women who actually have syphilis and give birth to a child this is what happened happened you could have a deform of the face uh the syphilis could actually eat away the face uh, of that child so now today we know if we, we one of the tests we do with pregnancy is to, to see whether you have syphilis if you have syphilis we could treat you or we could actually highly recommend not to give a vaginal birth Okay. Um, another one, BV. This is one of the more common ones that you see. This is called bacterial vaginosis. Okay, bacterial vaginosis. Um, usually you have this uh, gray vaginal discharge, so that's a key term, gray vaginal discharge. You have this crew cells, okay, crew cells. Okay, um, so BV tends to actually have a very specific smell. Uh, the bug for BV is uh, Gardenella vaginalis, Gardenella vaginalis. So very, very specific smell to it, so BV. Um, you could test it out, um, treat it easily with uh, antibiotics. Chlamydia as well, that's another one. This is the most common STI in the US, very common chlamydia. Um, this is um, the cause is chlamydia trachomatis, uh, chlamydia trachomatis. That's the bug, that's the bacteria. Um, usually, some people actually may become uh, asymptomatic for, for for some women, um, and it could spread to men as well. So, if usually if you treat it, you might want to treat both of them, the, the husband and wife, or boyfriend and girlfriend, uh, because they may uh, one both of them might, might be carrying it or have to spread the love, spread the love to one another. Um, but it could lead to other things like uh, infertilities, uh, urethral sy syndrome, so a lot of other things. Uh, so, you might definitely want to treat it right away. It can be, like I said, it can be asymptomatic with chlamydia. Uh, you may have some discharge, uh, may have abdominal pain, uh, but um, you may not have any symptoms at all. You may not even know you have chlamydia. Herpes, there's two types of herpes. Um, that's type 1 and type 2, uh, herpes simplex 1 and 2, we talked about this last time, uh, it's just 1 and 2, so majority of people have uh, type 1, type 1, uh, type 2 usually is the genitalia one, 1 is the oral one, but again, all over the place, people mix and match that all the time, okay, so... Again, it could happen anywhere. It could happen in your eyes. The key term to this, you have a vesicle, vesicular, um, on, on the mouth or on the genitalia, but could happen in any part of your body. When, again, this is a virus, viral infection, so when your immune system is down, it will come back up. So when you have stress and you feel stress, uh, you already have herpes, it's going to come up. Um, this is going to be, uh, you know, come up on your lips, on your mouth. Again, that's uh, usually herpes. Uh, antiviral uh, usually uh, is recommended, uh, but not may not be effective usually. Uh, lysine is another protein that we recommend to use while you have this. May speed up the recovery of uh, of herpes type one. If it's in the eye, it could lead to blindness. So most most of the time, it's asymptomatic, but then when your immune system comes uh, comes down, uh, it actually will create a vesicle, and when you have that vesicle break, uh, and you touch it, you could. Uh, very easily transmitted to other people. 
with your hand. So, so this is when it gets into the eye very bad. So you can see clear vesic vesicular, uh, use fluid light inside. Okay, clear vesicles there. Uh, yes, it's painful. This one com comparing to syphilis, syphilis is non-painful. This one is painful. You actually will feel this, uh, especially when uh, when it pops. This is on the back of a person, so you, again, you could have herpes in the back. Um, you, again, if you touch your face and your hand, and then also you use that hand touch the back of the person, and the person, the person could have that on the, on the back of their their body. So, HPV is something also for you to remember. You will see this on your exam. Okay, there's different types of HPV. We discussed that early on. Uh, again, the lower the, the number, the uh, the lower the number, the cancerous uh, type, the higher the number is the warts. So um, high risk would be 16 and 18 would be the lower number. Um, and the higher number, like 20-something or 30-something, those are usually warts type. Okay. Uh, trick <laughs> trick is uh, it's a par parasite. Okay, it's a parasite, little tiny bugs. Uh, the, cost, the parasite is called trichomonas vaginalis. Trichomonas vaginalis. So uh, shortened as trick. Okay, so this little guy like to borrow itself into the cervix. Okay, so this is the other uh, term comes term strawberry spot or strawberry cervix. You, if you look at the when you do vaginal exam, when you um, when you do vaginal exam, you're gonna see these little spot. Each little spot, those are little parasite. This tiny little guy you see here borrow itself, make a little nice little condo and home there, and um, you know it comes equipped with everything, air conditioning and um, bathroom and bedroom in there, so they can make themselves a little nice little home. Okay, so what they do, they usually uh, you will have this something called gray green frothy. Love the word they use frothy. So frothy vaginal discharge. So yes, the key term is frothy, frothy good goodness. Okay, frothy goodness. So. Frothy, in the sense you can see here, it's referring to bubble gas that they produce. Okay, so do these guys, uh, will, uh, you know, causing the uh, causing you to have this vaginal discharge, but in, a, in on the same hand, they actually produce these uh, little uh, gas. Uh, if I remember correctly, I believe is the, um, uh, the the carbon dioxide gas. So it's actually you see these little carbon dioxide bubble uh, come along with these um, um, on the cervix itself. You will know they when these folks walk into your office, they actually have a smell. They have a fishy odor. It's like they bring the whole entire fish market with them. So uh, you will smell them right away. Like oh, I know what you have a problem with. Um, male can be asymptomatic. Um, male can pass this on to to female as well. Okay. Um, we could do not only the key term to do is to uh, to do a KOH prep. Um, when you do KOH prep, the potassium hydroxide prep, um, you will see the uh, you will see the hyphae. You will see the um, you will see these bubbles come up, and that's when you know this is a trick. Okay. Um, you could do a trick rapid test as well. In ten minutes, you will know this easily to treat. Use flagell to treat this. Uh, it will go away. So very easy to treat. So picture of trick. Okay, that's it for this one. Um, thank you for watching, and this is a wrap for all of the lecture series. I hope you enjoy it, and I'll see you. I'll see you guys around. Thank you for listening.